Hello everyone, this is Chris Rylander. Today is Friday, March 5th, 2021. Just want to check back in with everyone again. We've talked to all of our clients a lot the last few months. We want to check back in. It's been a little while since we've done one of these podcasts just regarding the recent market activity we've seen uh, and talk a little bit about uh, that with inflation and interest rates and where we think all of this is going. So the Fed came out on... Uh, Thursday, and Jerome Powell basically said uh, they expect inflation to be transitory, meaning this should be temporary. So markets have dropped about 5.5% from the peak around middle of uh, February until the, the trough today, Friday, intraday, and then markets shot up again. So 5.5% pullback. Uh, it may feel a little dis- uh, disruptive, but ultimately that's healthy. It's not that sizable. We just haven't had much volatility since the two bouts that we had in September and October of last year. Markets have been pretty steady up since then. Um, so why are markets faltering? Well, there's this expectation. We've got cases dropping considerably in the U.S. and abroad. And this is pre-vaccine. Um, we're at a situation where cases are dropping substantially and we're getting people at the same time vaccinated at an increasing rate. Um, Jason and I were able to participate in a conference with Alejandro Sanchez Alvarado, who's a doc PhD and director of the Stowers Institute for Medical Research in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, his expectation by March was that we would have 120 million people with some sort of, of, of uh, protection from the virus, either from previous infection or from vaccination. That equals about a third of the population in the United States. Uh, And this rate of vaccination is increasing substantially. So we're getting very close to reopening the economy. Um, This week, Texas's governor announced that they're going to be reducing or limiting the mask mandates, and they're going back to living life as normal, 100% open, and Mississippi followed as well. So they're going to be a good poster child or at least guinea pig for the rest of the country to see how that goes. If cases don't spike, that opens opportunity for, for areas like Los Angeles and state of California to open up um, sooner than later. Um, and we're all kind of wondering why we haven't opened up sooner, but, um, if cases do spike, it may hinder the opening process as we go. So we'll see how that goes. But the point is we're moving in a great direction, moving in the right direction. So why are prices faltering right now? Well, we've had, it's kind of has to do with interest rates. So prices in the financial markets and equity assets have been faltering in the last few weeks because of a jump in interest rates. What does that mean? Well, the treasury rates, we borrow, we balance our budget by issuing treasuries, um, basically borrowing for the rest of the world. The U.S. government doesn't make enough money in tax receipts to, to be fiscally responsible and balance our budget. So we have to borrow from the world. And we do that with our weekly treasury auctions. And during these auctions, we go out there and say, who wants to lend us money? And if people don't want to lend us enough money, we have to raise interest rates. So interest, uh, investors have been demanding higher interest rates to actually fill these treasury auctions. So that is usually a precursor to some expectation in the future. Um, and we can point to expectation of one higher growth and also an expectation of higher inflation. Inflation is something that's been on the top of, I think, investors' minds, financial pundits' minds, and economists' minds, going back to the last recession of 2008 and 2009. Um, and it started with the Fed doing this thing called quantitative easing, which is this new experiment in central bank policy where they digitally print money and buy assets off banks' balance sheets, assets like mortgages and car loans, and give them liquid cash back in exchange for those, and they for banks to go and relend those, relend us money for more cars and more houses, and to get the economy turning. 
And they, when they do that, they call it, they're, you're, they're adding money to their balance sheet. So the rate that their balance sheet goes up is equal to the amount of money they pumped in the system. And did that to, to, to the, the case of uh, billions of dollars on a monthly basis. Uh, after the last recession, there was a concern that all that money pumped in the system at some point would devalue the dollar, which means things cost more, which is inflation. We never got inflation last go around. But now we're pointing to the astronomical amount of quantitative easing, astronomical amount of stimulus from both the Fed and Congress to keep the economy afloat during this coronavirus situation and how that might eventually stoke inflation. And the expectations of us reopening, where we've got personal balance sheets, household balance sheets, you and I, everyone else, have not as spent, for the most part, haven't spent as much money as we usually do because we couldn't. So now we've got all this money to spend and we're ready to open up and get out there and start spending our money and do all the things we couldn't do. There's a concern about a surge about demand that could push prices up and create inflation. That with an expanding money supply, more dollars out there, all the stimulus floating around, it's gonna really force prices to go up. And we can point to that in the grocery store and the gas, gas pumps. We're starting to see that already. Now the Fed's measure of inflation excludes food and energy, although we need that to live, but the, because they're historically volatile, they exclude that from their preferred measure of it. But the concern is that we're already seeing inflation and I think the bond market's reacting to that. So interest rates are going up. However, as, as uh, Chairman Powell said, they expect these, this, this rise in interest rates and, and an expected rise in inflation to be transitory or temporary. And why is that? Well, it's mostly because of the low basis we're starting from last year. We had such low growth last year, there is going to be an uptick in inflation, probably higher than the Fed's two-ish percent target that they want, but they're willing to let that to continue to go up based on longer-term averages. What that means is that this uptick in growth we're going to have, this spurt of growth as we reopen, will eventually normalize. We're going to only, quote-unquote, reopen for so long, and then we're going to be open. And all of this money that's been pumped in the system has created an awful lot of debt out there. That debt is expected to drag on the economy longer-term which should keep inflation down. That and one other issue I wanna talk about, that is the labor market. So unemployment's about 6.3% right now on the headline rate, that's what's quoted regularly. I mean, 6.3% of the population is not working. Um, that's getting close to quote unquote full employment that we've had historically of around 5%. Um, we always wanna have some people unemployed so we have an available labor force to pull from if we need to hire someone if we don't, then we got to steal from some other company, and then it forces us to raise wages, and that's always a precursor to inflation. So inflation, the unemployment numbers come down, but that's still way higher than it was pre-pandemic. We are still quite a bit higher. So we've got some slack or some available labor, people, people that are not working that need to get back in the labor force before we start seeing those wage increases, before we can start seeing inflation. And then we've got the labor force participation rate which has been dropping steadily since 2000. So that's the amount of people that are participating in the workforce, which means that since 2000, people have been leaving the workforce. The available people in the United States who are willing and able to work is decreasing. From 1960 to about 1990, there was a steady increase in the labor participation rate, mostly because women were entering the workforce. And that peaked in 2000, and it's been dropping since then. Globalization, technological advancements, and mostly uh, an aging population in the United States. And 
as we got to the coronavirus situation last year, last March, the labor force participation dropped substantially. It's come up a little bit from the lows, but we're still at labor force participation rates that we haven't seen since the 1970s. So even though that unemployment number has come down, there's a lot of people who have left the workforce. So to borrow a term from the Fed, and I've spoken to a lot of you about this already, there's, there's a lot of slack in the, in the labor market. There's available supply of labor out there. So um, these people need to get back to work first before we really saw an uptick in wage prices, wage, wage incomes, and then which would lead to um, people have more money to spend than they can go out. We, they're buying more and lead to a demand side inflation. Now, this uptick that we're going to have that the Fed points to more, more immediately will probably be because, we have, again, we have more money on our balance sheets right now, but it should be temporary. So the concerns on inflation has caused the bond market, to, the interest rates in the bond market, to spike up very quickly here. So how does that affect the stock market? Well, one, it increases, it increases borrowing costs for consumers and for businesses alike. And two, it also makes bonds, from a yield perspective, more competitive versus stocks, gradually, gradually. So that is gonna create some volatility in stock prices. But we expect, because we expect inflation to be overblown, inflation concerns to be overblown longer term, um, we'll see how that pans out, we agree with the Fed, um, we think that interest rates might have gone a little too far too quickly. So the 10-year Treasury is over 1.5% right now. It was about 1% at the beginning of the year. Um, it may climb higher, but we would not be surprised if we see the 10-year Treasury back down to, say, close to 1% before the year end. So we may spike higher in interest rates, but we'd expect that to decline towards the year end, depending on how things shake out and how this reopening goes. So all of this volatility we think is healthy. We haven't seen much since the fall of last year. Uh, we may see more further downside pressure in the next coming weeks. But as we reopen, this sense of optimism and positive sentiment that has kept prices high while earnings and fundamentals have been low, we think it should continue. On top of that, we're going to reopen naturally these fundamentals and earnings are going to increase. Uh, especially the year-over-year -year comparisons are going to look very good compared to what was going on last year. So that gives an opportunity for prices to move higher as we reopen as well. So very interesting to see what's going on recently. Uh, we'll, we'll see how things go here in the next few weeks. Um, longer term, we're still optimistic that the bull market's intact uh, as long as you know, we continue to reopen. The biggest caveats would always also obviously be the vaccine data. As long as the vaccine data looks great, people are getting the vaccines, and the virus is working against virus infections, uh, and no, there aren't any new variants that cause turmoil for the vaccine data, then we expect this to be uh, we're on the, on the cusp of a reopening, and things should be improving uh, pretty fast here throughout the year. So we're optimistic about the future. Uh, so we want to check in with everyone. Of course, if you have any questions on anything we just talked about today, you know you can always call us or email us, um, but we're here to help you guys out. And it's Chris Rylander. Today is Friday, March 5th. Thank you for listening to the Rylander Richter Podcast. The opinions and commentaries expressed reflect the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of the Inspired Company LLC, doing business as Rylander Richter employees providing such comments and should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Rylander Richter or performance returns of any Rylander Richter Investments client.
The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. This program is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Rylander Richter is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Rylander Richter and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Rylander Richter unless a client service agreement is in place.